calling all losers. There's a clown on the loose. And his name's Trump, am I right? (laughs) There's a clown in the White House. (laughs) Well, just had to make it uh, political, (laughs) didn't you? I did. This is a true politics podcast. I'm the ritual of Chud, Matisse Van Rossum. I'm the big old lumberjack, Ben Sheets. Beep, beep. I'm Cleveland Mosier, and uh, please stick around. I swear that's the last time. <laughs> the last time you'll beep beep? No, 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 I'll keep beep beeping. Oh. I'm sure about that. That, well, we, that we, we go for political, we go for the politics. Well, no, this is, this is America's number one politics podcast, and what, <laughs> what is more political than Pennywise the Clown? I'd vote for him. It. <laughs> I'd yeah, vote for it. Don't misgender Pennywise. It's true. It's true. Yes, I would also vote for it. It has some yeah. good policies. Eating kids. Eating children. Balloons. Everybody loves balloons. I just think he'd get a lot done. Now we've brought up Trump and misgendering. This is just a great start. <laughs> We're on a roll, baby. Oh, yeah. If you joined us last week, then you already know what this is. We're talking about It Chapter 2, the brand new 2019 film directed by uh, a Mr. Andy Muschietti, starring Bill Skarsgård, James McAvoy, Jessica Chastain, and Bill Hader. 27 years later, the Losers Club returned to Derry to deal with that nasty old clown once and for all. Well, yeah, we went and saw It on opening night. We were the only ones in the theater. No, there were two people in the Yeah, at the last mm-hmm. second they came in. It was a bit second. of a bummer. Yeah, it was... to heckle the movie a little louder. It I was, mean, we still we heckled still the did. movie a little bit, uh, in fairness. But more, more discreetly, a little bit more politely. I was surprised that there weren't more people on opening night. I mean, I guess it's technically like soft opening night. Also, like the, the weather from the Thursday. hurricane was coming through. Yeah, I think that's a big help. It was such a light rain, though. We oh, yeah, I mean, from the yeah, yeah. It, it was nothing. But I mean, also, there were 19 other screenings of this movie the same night. So no, this movie is getting a an Avengers level opening. And it's weird. They have shows every like 15 minutes or something. Awesome. So, I mean, I guess everybody else went to. Uh, other showings. I was glad to have a mostly empty theater. It's always a little bit more fun. And uh, I did have a lot of fun with this movie. Yeah, surprisingly, I had a great time. But to unpack it, uh, I don't think it's possible without just spoiling anything. Oh, yeah. So you've been warned. (laughs) I will say there's a lot of fun in this one. It is bloated. It's almost three hours long. It's a little sloppy in the first act, especially. It definitely stumbles out of the gate. That being said, for its length... I wasn't bored. Never. Well, that's the thing. It keeps the relentless pacing of set pieces that the first one had. Within, like, every 10 or 15 minutes, there's a scare sequence, which keeps the movie chugging along throughout the time. On top of that, this movie kind of fixed some of the problem that I had with the first one, where they didn't have as much character development. Yeah. Um, So much better. I distinctly felt midway through this movie that the first one is like a prequel for this movie. This feels like it, and the last movie feels like the setup. 
Yeah. And that being said, like I do like the last one, but I was I was surprised how well this one adapted a lot of stuff in the book and sort of brought a lot of context to things that were missing in the first one. Yes. Did not expect that. I used the word uh recontextualize a lot in the last podcast episode and buckle up I'm about to use it a lot more again. This film completely recontextualized the previous film for me in so many wonderful ways. The first film is very messy. I found it to be. I found the editing to be very um, high velocity, even during like dialogue sequences. It kind of put me in a very washy state. This film, the dialogue is all very direct. It's all very clean and it's it's a lot clearer. It just felt better, much better paced. The whole of the first film, whether it's dialogue or the horror sequences or whatever else, it's all loud noises, boom, scary, big, crazy stuff going on from the beginning. And as you remember, like, I had a lot of problems with that. But looking back at it now, I can see it a little differently. I can I can see it as the viewer sort of experiencing the memories of childhood uh, and things being kind of messy and not fully cohesive and very loud and, Large and unsure. Large jumps in time that aren't really, like, a Addressed how much time has happened since previous scenes. We didn't really talk about that in the last episode, but it is kind of a thing. Like, it takes place over, like, an entire summer, and it sort of just feels like one continuous event. I think you're right. Uh, sorry to interrupt. Oh, not at all. Um, and I think, I don't think any of us were expecting so many flashbacks to the kids. Yeah. You know, I at the end of last episode, I was talking about, you know, with this one being focused on the adults, mm-hmm. I was wondering how that would translate. And it seems like they know the reason that the first one was so successful was in a large part because of the kids. It and... ended up taking the exact format that I wanted, mm-hmm. that I even said at the end of last episode, with the adults rediscovering their childhood selves and reverting to a more childlike state in order to defeat it. And that's exactly what the movie is. I was really shocked how much of the movie was like flashback stuff with the kids that I guess they shot at the same time. There was some repeated stuff. That was what I didn't like as much. Well, and the I thought thing all is, of it was fairly There, there was so much kid material that I wonder if some of it was just cut from the first one. Because while the first one is still long, it's about two hours long versus this one's almost three-hour runtime. Yeah, the first um, one's two hours 15. This one's two hours 50. I, I don't know. All of the like flashback stuff to the kids, to me it felt that it was purposely saved for this one because mm-hmm. it was it was essential to them finding their uh, quote-unquote talismans or artifacts or whatever yeah. they were needed for... Well, I, and it was I, almost actual, always set up by did, the dialogue, I did read too, for a fact that the there was at least one of the kids' scenes that was taken from that the they first just moved and put in. into this one. I wonder which one that was. Um, I'd be curious to know. Yeah, I don't know for sure. Maybe some of the introduction of the Hangout stuff... Yeah, that's what I would think, too, because that that was one of my weird concerns that I didn't talk about in the last episode, but, like, the first movie never addresses the clubhouse. Like, I thought that was something that from the book that they just nixed, just because, you know, I I guess they didn't find it important enough. And then, like, it's, like, a major part of the second movie. Oh, yeah, it's hugely important in this And I was like, oh, nice, I'm glad to see that they did do that. I was glad to see it, but it was just, like... But why didn't they establish it in the first movie? Oh, and the the extra weird thing about it 
is that they set up a differing plot point with the smokehouse visions right then in the book in the book they collectively have those visions and epiphanies as children right about the ritual of chud the ritual of chud is is largely centered around the children's part whereas this it's it's all for the adults right is and that what it's called in the book the ritual of chud yes should 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 okay it, it has a the u has an umlaut okay mm. um, uh, <laughs> that's, why, that's, why, that's why i made the ritual of chud joke earlier because i thought it was funny it was yeah. funny yeah. yeah i was confused because that is experienced because they they smoke up the clubhouse they right. turn into like a smoke hut and they introduced the the ritual part first, and it's like, oh yeah, I guess we're just not getting the clubhouse because they do the whole smokehouse thing with it, and they get the ritual as children, and they introduce that, and then we get the house anyway. Yeah, very interesting. And the, I, the recontextualization is is strange, but I didn't have a problem with it in the context of the movie. I wouldn't have if it uh, didn't key into one of my big complaints about this film. Overall, I loved it. I'm giving it's going to get a good rating from me. But I did have one one big issue, and that is let's jump into that then. Yeah, Mike. Yeah, let's get it out of the way so I can I can rave about everything I love about this film. Uh, we all. Can. Oh, I um, definitely had some problems too. Sure. So, like the big one is they didn't uh, fix Mike. Not only did they not fix Mike, they just moved him into another token position of being a shaman. No, I thought that was so annoying. It was rubbish. Like you, they turned they, him, they turned him into Doctor Exposition. They they turned yeah, that's but all they, he was. They turned him into Doctor Exposition, and they turned him into like the old black shaman like stereotype. Like it's awful. And man, like, and I'll tell you what awful. too. Like I thought the visual effects of the scene when they're hallucinating ten was really the cool. Vision, ten the, out well, of ten. The scene was really like, cool. Like, the way it's, it's set up handy. is yeah. very funny, unintentionally. Yes, 100%. Yeah. Like, I, it's... That is not There's a, a lot of sequences in this movie that I felt were funny unintentionally. I'd be curious to see what, what you thought was and was not. There, there's several examples I have. The first one that comes to mind is in the first act with the Chinese restaurant. They all have their fortune cookies with words on them, and oh, they finally yeah. put it together. And then all of a sudden, all the fortune cookies start rumbling and little monsters come out of them. The way that worked in the book and, so... and, in, the, and in the 90s movie is that they each took their fortune cookie and they broke it open and there was some kind of like little horror inside that was like specific to them. The whole thing with like the words and figuring out like uh, Stanley just couldn't cut it or whatever was the, the phrase. Like I thought that was really unnecessary. That being said, the little creatures that came out of the fortune cookies, I thought great design. They're right out of the book. And it, the baby cricket, yeah, like oh the weird. Well, it's a it's a fly specifically because it's like, it's like a locust. Yeah, because like Mike is Mike hates flies, and um, uh, what is it? Is it Eddie who sees the the eyeball? Um, yeah, with the tentacles. Yeah, right, yeah. that's that's in the book because well, he's a kid and he sees the. It's a it's not an Ed Wood film, but it's one of those like with a with a giant eyeball. I think it is an Ed Wood film, isn't it? It might the, be like the crawling eyeball or something. Yeah, like, like that. and that. But that's yeah, yeah, which yeah. I forgot th- about that. This from the book. this movie. Okay, another one of my complaints in the previous film was like, oh, I wanted to see a lot of those cool like 1950s horror things, and we actually got most of them like in this movie. But now they don't really have any significance. But I didn't mind. They were great. They looked awesome. 
and frankly, that's that's enough for me. Speaking of that, we have the 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 bike thing that you were talking about. Yeah, last we, time. we got it after all with yeah. no context. Mm, you right. know, it, it's fan service for people who've read the books. Cool. Yeah, uh, it had no significance for me. It just was a. There's weird... a lot of those little. Yeah, yeah. like he grew up in the '80s. Like you know, what's yeah. the Lone I, Ranger? I, I knew. I noticed a lot of those little like fan servicey things that even stood out to me as like that would have no context for people who haven't read the book. Yeah. That they just decide to throw in every now and then, like the beep beep Richie thing. Mm-hmm. Pennywise says it once in the first movie. Yep. And then Bev says it once in this movie. Yep. They yeah. never established. No yeah, it just yeah. thrown in. And, and whatever I'm I know it was just, I'd rather it, at that I point care. I was already I, really I went into this movie like so checked out I had the lowest of low expectations going into this film and so when I got things that I wanted to see in the first movie yeah I was happier for it but to go back to the the Chinese restaurant thing it it highlights something that I think of with a lot of the horror sequences in this movie are the visual effects are triple A high quality really well executed and stuff and well designed too but mm-hmm. I think a lot of times the tone of the scenes are a little off. That scene in particular, while the creatures are cool, I don't think it's a very scary scene. I think it could have been. I think the way it was handled, well, though, was just it so I, sloppy. It doesn't, it doesn't help that it ends with Mike picking up a chair and smashing everything in the room and the waitress walking in and us just getting, like, a straight-up, like, sitcom wide shot <laughs> of them all cowering and screaming and Mike smashing a table with no monsters or creepy things in sight. It's fucking hilarious. And then, I loved that part. Oh, yeah. And then I, I they just leave. And then they just leave leave with no No explanation at all. Yeah, somebody just looks at the waitress is like, "Oh yeah, we'll have we'll take the check," and she just like nods and walks off. It's like, are you kidding? Yeah, like the cops would be called. I have two funny points for that. Uh, First off, uh, uh, this is this is not my actual answer. This is my comedic nerd answer, and that's well, you know that dairy is is already designed from the beginning to ignore everything that's going on because of it. My actual answer is probably that uh ben just paid for all of it because he's a super rich architect well they're all rich is the thing right they're so all, they're all wealth like that's, that's right they're all the well off the, yeah. all of the ones who left dairy all ended up successful so yeah like they would have just paid for it uh i did like that that scene with them leaving the chinese restaurant ends with like the kid who appears a few times who's one of my favorite things about the movie that kid <laughs> comes up to richie and he says uh what what was the line it was something from his act but it out of context it sounded sinister like the fun's just getting started or something like that. Yeah. And after this whole thing that they just went through, Richie, who is, we should mention, is played by Bill Hader, who does a fucking fantastic job. Masterfully. They um, all do. They all do great. I was Bill really, Hader in I particular. I was really impressed like... with the cast in this one, too, just like I was with the kids. Mm-hmm. But uh, Bill Hader just, like, gets down in this kid's face and just starts, like, screaming Grabs at him by him. the collar. Just, like, grabs him by the collar and starts shaking him. And the kid's just, like, who the kid who's probably what like nine yeah. maybe eight or nine just like dude it's from your act i'm a fan and then like his <laughs> parents walk up and richie's like oh do you want a photograph and he's just like i don't think i do not <laughs> anymore like, yeah no, like the, 
the kid's <laughs> delivery on that is hey, so fucking perfect. Yeah, it's, it's I love, too good. I love that kid because even though he ends up dying really horribly on screen later, mm-hmm. like the rest of the movie, his purpose is just for like various members of the Losers Club to behave absolutely insanely at him. Yeah, because um, he's the one that with the skateboard later with Bill. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Bill finds on the street. Yeah, so... It just, like, grabs and just starts shaking. Stay away from the storm drains! That was, like, a Nick Cage level. Oh, yeah, scene, yeah, right? yeah, like, yeah. That yeah. was just, like, absolute... It was it was bonkers, and it I left me it. so baffled and, and uh, displaced because much like how the Chinese restaurant, like that sequence ends with all of them recognizing that the horrors in front of them are not real, and then just sitting through it and like and just experiencing the horror when the waitress comes in and like the waitress not acknowledging it, and them just like dealing with that horror. In this sequence with the, the skateboarding kid in the book, Bill makes friends with him, and he's just like, oh hey, you know, like. Cool, you skateboard. I used to ride a bike. And, uh, you know, like, watch out for clowns. And it's much more soft and very friendly. And in this one, he just straight up grabs him and starts screaming at him. And it's well, that, so but, different. Uh, and thing, I loved it. The thing is, I well, it it. the whole scene and how they execute that with essentially a joke at the end of right. it. Right, yeah. No, it's uh, slapstick. It, it, it makes it more entertaining. And they do that a lot with the jokiness of this movie. However, I feel like th- there's such a tonal inconsistency in this movie. Like, they yeah. start the film with a brutal beating of a gay couple and then right. you know so they they Sex introduce the the, the, the yeah. film to like how dark brooding and upsetting this movie is going to be and then they just jump around between right. the tones that, it, it it felt like whiplash sometimes it did i can't say that it bothered me too terribly because i thought that even though it was tonally disparate that each thing it was doing was pretty good enough that I was entertained by it, even if it was, like, whiplash. I will say that I was very surprised how much outright comedy was in this movie as compared to the last one, which had, like, its moments of comic relief, but overall tried to sort of, like, maintain Mm -hmm. a darker, more sinister tone. And this one is just, for, like, many scenes is just a straight up comedy. The majority, yeah, this film is, is comedic. And like, like even even a lot of the really intense, like supposed to be scary scenes, they'll end with like a punchline. That being said, a lot of those punchlines are times that I laughed really, really hard. So like they landed. It's an interesting balance. I think specifically of the scene when like Henry Bowers tries to kill uh Eddie in his hotel room <laughs> and like Eddie hides in the shower and then like stabs uh henry through the Mm -hmm. shower curtain as he's leaving the room as henry is like lying on the ground with like a knife in his heart and he's just like cut the fucking mullet it's been 30 years dude and just leaves and it's so funny yeah amazing the thing is like the 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 humor in this movie it's so cathartic it is it, it always comes right after a big scare scene and even if they're not always the most effective the comedy it hits harder because of And in the- fairness, even in the book, like certain of the characters like Richie and Eddie sort of use humor as a coping mechanism to an extent. I, well Richie especially I, let's break the- I, if why don't we break into that and how that's that is sort of the core theme of the novel. You have to, you know, take these fears and convert them into laughs. You have to confront the darkness by by smiling at it. This film let the viewer do that in a way I wasn't expecting. 
I I do want to talk about a little bit more about that scene where Henry Bowers comes mm-hmm. in and stabs because I thought that was excellently done. I yeah. want to emphasize like James Ranson who played adult Eddie had such a, an amazing so performance in this. Like he had such an aggressive energy to his performance in this. It felt like Nicolas Cage or Bruce Campbell esque almost and it, meets like and it perfectly matched the kid who played him in mm-hmm. in the flashback. And I thought it even ramped in, it up yeah. even more, though. He almost had, like, a punk rock, Henry Rollins type of energy to him. It was just, like, But, pure... like, nerdy. Well, yeah. that's the thing. Like, with the, the Chinese restaurant sequence, like... When uh, Bill Hader keeps roasting him, he seems like legitimately upset right. by it. You know, yeah, like yeah, yeah, yeah. there's such a an anger to his character that I kind of think is really well done. No, I think it's um, I think it's fantastic. Honestly, I think that all of the adult actors very well embody the the children. Yeah, like, yeah. It, to to a degree that I I would not have expected because it's not an easy thing to do and it just goes to show that like the kids are really good and the adults are also Well, really I, I, good. I I will say I I feel like the adults ramp up some of the, the it's a little bit high elements it, yeah. of the kids. It's a it's a little um, bit hyperbolic. It feels like a bit of a caricature at times. I I think especially with characters like adult Henry Bowers. Oh um, yeah, well he's supposed to be insane. Yeah, yeah. I I thought Destroy the sequence with Bowers and in the uh, insane asylum was pretty funny. It was perfect. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought it I thought it worked out really well. Another great example of kind of sloppy editing turning a a scene that should be scarier into kind of humor part of the conceit of this film is like each character has its own macguffin right um which they have to find that kind of links their character in the adult form to the kid form right and they have to sacrifice for yep. the ritual and uh eddie's is underneath the pharmacy or he goes under the pharmacy yeah. there's a scene where his mother is on like a table. He has to go save her. The leper that we originally saw in the first that we film, saw from the first one, yeah, um, comes out and scares him. But there's this bizarre cut in it where the leper starts vomiting on him, and it should be a really disturbing thing. But there's like this upbeat song that's playing during it. Yeah, yeah it's an eighties pop song. I don't remember which, uh, but I loved it. Uh, yeah, it was, um, so, it was, it was it, so it unexpected. Was bizarre. It was one of the most bizarre editing choices I've seen because it it's only a few seconds yeah, and then it like cuts back seconds. and it yeah, never right back does anything like that again. No, it was so bizarre. I do think overall that scene was done really well. Uh, I thought it was actually pretty creepy with having the leper covered in the sheet. Uh, sort of like chained to the ceiling uh, and sort of like slowly moving towards him and he's trying to unstrap his mom from the table. Another excellent touch that I do want to point out at the beginning of the movie during the setup when we sort of see what each of their lives are like as an adult, we see Eddie's wife and she's played by the same actress who plays his mother. Oh, did you check that? 
Yeah. Oh, yeah. excellent. Because the whole thing—the whole thing—is that he ends up marrying a woman yeah. like his mother. Even he in the and book, Bev. Like, well, yeah, the book specifically uses the word like from Eddie's perspective as psychological incest. Like he, he's very aware of it, or he's he's made to be aware of it. Right. Like he doesn't he doesn't recognize that from the beginning. But so he, and then uh, Bev, you know, uh, marries someone who's, who's abusive like, and right. That was a scene that didn't work very well for me because it seemed like cartoonish in a bad way. Oh yeah, yeah. It like was when she turned up to eleven. Because like yeah, I know in the book like her husband is basically just like her father and he's an abusive drunk and whatever but like in the movie like when she gets the call in the night and she's packing like her husband like wakes up and he's like hey it's okay like come sit down and tell me what's going on he seems to be like really supportive well it's a snap turn like right exactly and she's like she's like yeah i have to go to dairy to see my friends and, you know, I'll be gone for a couple of days. And then it's like she gets up and he, like, grabs her hand. And then it just turns da, da, da. around. And then, they, and then he's twirling his mustache, right. you know, like, and, immediately. The, right, and it ends in a fight with them, like, smashing things on each other. One of the cool things about that chapter is it's written from his perspective. Right. Well, so because we get plays... him, like, from the beginning being like, you know, like, she, uh, I've, I've already made it clear she's not allowed to smoke. Like, and that's, like, the whole bit in the book is he's like right. he's really like he uses that as an, like an excuse to well, be abusive he plays, and... he plays more of a role in the book too because he's one of the characters who ends up being possessed he never he comes hit, back to Derry who comes to in the film yeah. yeah exactly I mean they they sort of relegate all of that into just Henry Bowers which for the purpose of the movie Honestly, I think is fine see that's it's okay that is a change that I wholeheartedly support I think it's just, the book, it's, it would, it would have been way too fine, much but for the, the movie it's too much yeah, yeah like yeah. to have uh, like uh, was it Audra like and uh yeah bill's wife yeah come back as well and that whole bit no nah, no nah, just yeah just cut that no, just, that's, just, that's, it, it works as a reference at the beginning like and it sets it up you get to see where they are learn a little bit more about them and that's well enough mm-hmm. established here's one thing i think with the the pacing of these this movie in comparison to the first well i do agree that structurally it's a bit more well refined than the first one I think the fact that the first one didn't go as far into some of this stuff as this one did, this one kind of had to play catch up a little bit. And because of that, it's a little bloated where I think some of the character development stuff that they had to do in this one should have been done in the first one. I disagree. Uh, yeah, I don't know if I agree I, with that either. What I liked so much about this film is it gave me that same sensation I had when I was reading it, where their memories are slowly coming back to them, and they have to kind of learn, relearn who they are and who each other are. Getting more establishment of both the adults and as the kids right, was, well, was very gratifying. Well, it goes so far as to like really dive into what took place between their uh sort of schism after the house on Kneebolt Street and in between them like going into the sewers to face it we see each of them having a- another individual encounter with it that sort of drive them all back together i think that 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 stuff is important and there's not really place for it in the first movie either it would be an sure kind i of i just feel like having six MacGuffins in a row is a little exhausting just because you know it's going to be a scare scene and they find their element it's, and it's they come pre- back. It's predictable, and, but I don't think and it's boring. And on top of that, 
you have the backstory, which I think they could have gone a little farther into with the drug hallucination scene, as well as the Henry Bauer stuff, as well as... You know, I, the, the backstory of the covered. characters, yeah. you know, it, it, it's, there's a lot that is in this movie in terms of plot stuff. Oh, yeah, there's um, a ton. Like, the source material is massive, like mm-hmm. we said in the last one. Yeah, but I think that each of, like, the sequences, like, the MacGuffin device, the motive for, right. for getting, like, each of these those characters alone was a little hackneyed. The sequences I mean, themselves, I think they all brought something else to the overarching narrative. Like, they brought some information that was required, and also they were all really fun. Even, even the one that was was like overplayed in all the trailers with Bev and the old lady. I actually really well, liked, I liked how it's done. I, yeah. I, I loved bits it's and one of I wasn't things, expecting to. Yeah, it's one of those things where they show a lot of it in the trailer, but you don't get to see the best parts. No, they it. just give right. you the setup. Like, it's yeah. just like the projector sequence being used in the trailer in the first one. Mm-hmm. Like They still save the best moments from it. And I thought the granny monster was horrifying in She's design. Yeah. She real spooky, um, man. Another highlight of the many visual effects. I even I even like where it goes after that when she sort of runs into the hall and it's all like dilapidated. Yeah. And she sees she sees Pennywise in the form of like the circus performer like putting on his makeup. Oh, it's great. I, I thought, thought that, that was, and was awesome. Also, how, yeah. how shining was that too? Like the epiphany with like seeing the old photograph. Like I, I thought it was like very touching. Yeah. They have a direct reference to the shining in dialogue at one point. Yeah, when they're when uh, Bev is in the bathroom and the monster is smashing in the door, uh-huh. and at one point he, he says, "Here's Johnny," straight up. Oh yeah, and it that, that felt that's a what it weird. was. Yeah, a little on it's, the nose. It, yeah, it it's a little on the nose. I don't give a shit. All of Stephen King's novels are supposed to take place in the same universe anyway. I don't. I don't fucking care. Yeah. Uh, it's one of those things where it's like a, it's a little too nudge nudge wink wink. Yeah, but it doesn't. Mm-hmm. It well, doesn't matter in the long term. Yeah, I agree with you, Cleveland. While I will also concede that the artifact MacGuffin is very predictable in the setup, it's all kind of like, oh, here's one of them alone. Here's something spooky happening. Here's them overcoming it. Here's them getting their artifact. You know, it's it's very formulaic. So it's not particularly creative in that sense. But I think each one is really well done and really entertaining and provides something different that feels individual to each of the characters that they're happening to to the extent that i didn't have a problem with it the framing is very simple but the detailing is yeah that's the thing like i I think the framing is a little exhausting however the scenes themselves for the most part are very well done right enough and that's what holds me through it it's the kind of it's the kind of thing that because it's so formulaic that if it was done more lazily or just worse then it would be like really exhausting i think but the fact that like it's all it's all handled really well from a filmmaking perspective the creature design is usually pretty on point and there's some great spooky moments i don't give a shit like take me from set piece to set piece you know that like we were saying in the last one this is a popcorn horror movie and i really felt that sitting in the theater watching it just like i did with the first one it's like i'm just sitting here turning my brain off and having a really good time i will say there there were a couple scenes that i think they could have cut out one of the biggest ones being the little girl at the football game going underneath the stadium. Oh, I, oh, I like liked that, that a lot. I, I it's not it in the book okay, at all. But I, and it was cool to get that. There was no real reason for it, I feel like. No, it was kind it's of. Just, it just, just to sort of further that, like, 
it is back and taking children again. Yeah. That being said, it's I, it's a. I mean, it, it, I think beat for beat, Bill Skarsgård gives a good performance. Yeah, in I think it, he's but... so good in that scene. Like, I wouldn't, oh, yeah. I wouldn't cut it just because. Like, I think he does such a good job, and it's so spooky. I love, I love the way it plays out with her like chasing the the firefly, and it goes under the bleachers. Yeah, it would have, it would have fit right in nicely with the book. I just felt like I got a little more Pennywise and grab it, and then pull it back into the darkness, and then the firefly illuminates his face i think visually it's really it's really excellent yeah yeah no i i'm getting goosebumps thinking about that scene again that's, that's another thing like i think that they really gave bill skarsgård his chance to shine in this movie i think he did yeah, great. In the, so much more great. than the last film i think he did great in the last one but he's awesome in this see movie. see here's here's the wacky thing about it right like going into the first movie i heard nonstop like how good bill skarsgård's performance was in the original late and it is very good but there isn't that much of it like, it's mostly, like, he appears, he says something spooky, he has a nice monologue at the beginning, and then, like, he says some stuff about eating your fear that I did not like at the the end of the first yeah. movie, and that's that's about it, and he does, like, a weird thing with his eye, and I, I didn't see that much. Here, I, I get it, and I, I yeah. fully appreciated his his performance. And, he had a I, lot of camera time. I think, I think I'll say, too, that, like, as much love and appreciation as I have for Tim Curry as Pennywise, I think tonally... Bill Skarsgård is a better Pennywise. Now I'll agree. In terms of like faithfully adapting the book in a way that I think it, that is believable in terms of tone, I think I think Bill I think, Skarsgård yeah. nails it. I will say like in Tim Curry's defense, I think a lot of that has to do with like time sure. it was shot and direction and bad script, right? Many, like et cetera. And it's like things. I think I think it's Tim Curry movie, could have yeah. could have been like today a phenomenal Pennywise, sure. but that doesn't exist. This does, and I think I do. Well, think yeah, because in this movie, Pennywise is like the opposite of Jaws. We get him like <laughs> every 15 20 minutes in this movie well he's also you know, def- they he, don't save him at all he's yeah. also definitely more of a character in this one yeah. where, like in the first one he's the monster and he's the threat and that doesn't change in this one but he also feels like a, a like a legitimate character that i think makes his undoing at the end more satisfying because you feel like you understand him a little bit better i think that like the whole climax scene which is huge it's such a long scene yeah i think it's great though i loved it yeah i loved it i think it's really well done at the risk of continuing to go back to the book it's hard not to because it's so good but i was surprised to see that the ritual of chud was represented in this film at all they just don't in the 90s version uh, I assume because it's a little bit too esoteric and weird. I think they give in this movie a very bare bones, surface level, easy to understand version of the ritual. As someone who hasn't read the book, yeah. it was still very esoteric and weird. It's a little in bit weird movie. in the book. It gets it gets into even weirder things. It's like a Native American ritual where, like, you and your enemy are supposed to, like, stick your tongues out and then you bite each other's tongues and tell each other jokes to try to make the other one laugh and whoever laughs first loses. So in the book, there's this whole thing about, like, going down into its lair and basically, like, locking astral tongues, biting astral tongues and, like, fighting against each other on metaphysical realm that I don't know how you would literally adapt in. in okay, yeah, be I'm glad they didn't do yeah, that. Yeah, it'd be, it'd be an glad. absolute mess. <laughs> 
this, a little this bit. Was, this was great. I think, for, like the bo- I think it down. for the book, it's cool because you have more opportunity to explore that and look at it in context. Yeah, it and, gives the deadlights more focus. But it's just like, it's just keep just it at like that in, level. The, in the movie, it's like there's just not time for that and mm-hmm. it's hard to depict visually. Speaking of like the weird metaphysical stuff, cutting the turtle was a good call. I know that like uh, this movie did a lot of stuff to play for laughs, but that would have been too they do, they much. Do some, they do some visual nods to the turtle, like in the yes. first one when he goes into Georgie's room and he has the Lego turtle, like mm-hmm. they acknowledge the turtle, but that's just another one of those fan servicey. Yeah, uh, good. That, that's something I'm okay with just being left yes, to a fan servicey yes, reference. I agree. Because you can still see it as like, oh, the turtle's like there watching them. It just never makes its presence known, and that's fine. Like, so that's great. Any anyway, my my point is that like I was surprised to see the ritual interpreted at all in the film, just because of how it's handled in the book. So she hasn't come from Mike and been so shamanistic. I think yeah, that was a little sloppy. That the scene where he does where he drugs Bill and Bill has the hallucination that gives like the backstory visually of, it's like, ten out of ten coming to Earth and like being yeah with, by the, with the the stop motion. Cool. I like yeah. I got so to see cool. stop motion in a major motion picture. Yeah, like yay, it was rad. It was rad. Like, yeah, I, like Harryhausen shit. Well, well, Please. I think it was brought up with CG as well. Well, of course, it was yeah, enhanced and like it was hands. lit. I couldn't tell like how much of it was and wasn't. That's very good. Like stylistically, it was stop motion, and that's enough for me. <laughs> like, it, was, it was a cool. It was a cool sequence. I will say the build up to that sequence with Bad. Mike at the shaman. Terrible. Bad. You know. Terrible. Yeah. No. It really. Messy. Zero out of ten. <laughs> really really sloppy. It's the fact that like it's edited so well and the visual effects are so cool that really saves that scene. Otherwise, well, it would be a, and normally that's not enough for me, but in this case it was. I was know. okay with it. I well, that's okay the thing. It. Like, I think the visual effects save a lot in this movie, mm-hmm. and just because they're so good, and for the type of movie it is, it helps too. If this was like a cerebral yeah. film, like I don't think that would save it. But since it's such a popcorn horror movie, yeah, the great visual effects really elevate the horror sequences. If they had tried to make the Chinese restaurant the Jade Orient. Uh, or whatever it's Jade called. Jade of the Orient. Yeah. Think, um, yeah. If, if they had tried to address that sequence as like true horror, I think it would have been pretty rough because the CG stuff, it looks great conceptually. It's very cool, but it's so surreal and strange. It's it's cartoon. It's just not scary. It doesn't actually make me afraid to see like a weird crawling eyeball. It's spooky, but it's not actually horrifying. So playing it for laughs is a safe bet. At least I get the crawling eyeball from the book. I get to see that. That makes me happy. And I still am feeling something. Yeah, honestly, like I think the most legitimately like scary stuff is mostly all Pennywise. Not so much his projections. Like the old lady. uh, The old lady I thought was really scary. You know what sequence I found surprisingly spooky was the adult Richie sequence with the lumberjack. Oh, um, I, I didn't find it spooky, but I loved the style. The of that the execution scene. with all the people behind him yeah, just staring. It's, it's so good because the first movie like faked me out thinking because like in the first movie like it does we do get a little bit of scary lumberjack with it like turning and looking at him or something. I thought that it, they were just going to reference it and leave it there, and I was kind of bummed out because like that's a great scene in the book and you got it well yeah you it got doesn't the even, in the first one it doesn't even move he just runs past it and there's a shot of the lumberjack of him passing it it doesn't move at all yeah oh, does it the oh, first okay. one no but but uh yeah i well i love how that whole scene once he sees pennywise like it all desaturates 
Yeah, I thought like, the coloring, it, the color uh, grading was super yeah, interesting. It was with it was it. Like, like those like really old first attempt at color photographs where they're really just like dyeing things in like blues and reds and stuff like that. Yeah, like hand painting the frames. And that was that was another scene where I thought Bill Skarsgård was really good. Yeah, when he's definitely. sitting on the on the statue's shoulder, like talking to Richie and sort of like mocking him. That was awesome. Yeah, it's yeah. just just perfect. I I have a big point. Um, It carries back into my opening part about how this film recontextualized the first one. There's that word again. First off, in the book, one of the key points is that they they sort of return to their childhood states right um bill gets his stutter back you know richie starts like kind of doing this like silly impressions and uh etc and uh, his hypochondria mm-hmm. gets worse they all they all kind of re- yeah. they they revert the past especially like as it comes to their the final confrontation with it where in the book it's expressed at the same time both as children and as adults right going back um and, forth. and how the chapters you end mid-sentence and then they go into the childhood part everything becomes sort of blurred and combined and there was a very very cool stylistic thing this movie did to blend the two timelines and that is the first film is set in the 80s but stylistically it feels like a james wan like insidious conjuring sort of movie like the way that the the scares are played Mm -hmm. it's all it's loud banging noises and sudden stuff and it's it's nonstop. every 15 minutes you get your spooks you know like it's 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 very rushed it's very it kind of has like a messy feel to it that leaves you disoriented the second film is set during present day but it's completely addressed like an 80s film stylistically uh, down to particularly the score That's the, the soundtrack in the first I... movie was was a lot of like heavy rich like synths and bassy like industrial stuff that you get a lot of modern horror and this film the soundtrack was like straight up john williams like front to back we get one callback with like the 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 gravelly like synthy stuff but for the most part like it's strings and orchestral and the pacing and editing as well like it it felt more like a you know a classic like uh, i i don't film. know if i would agree actually i felt like this movie felt very similar to the first in terms of pacing and editing like in terms of structure of scares even the score for the most part i don't think it screamed 80s to me really Really? Like you had some of those weird it like needle drops. Same, it had a lot of the same musical motifs yeah. as the fir- as the first. It felt one. very similar. I, I just think like during the the creepy moments with it in the first movie, it's it's all like 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 spooky industrial gravelly like cinder blocks being pulled, and and here like we were getting like strings. It felt more fantastic. It feels more grand at times because I think that some of the set pieces are more grand. I did. There were a few instances where I noticed that it was that the score was more orchestral than I was used to enough to to at least stand out. Yeah, I noticed it, it throughout the whole it film. It honestly didn't feel. T- I mean, maybe I just wasn't paying enough attention to that, but it didn't feel that different from the first one to me. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I picked up on it I, like from the beginning and like I was looking much for it. Focused on the music because it caught me off guard at the beginning. I don't remember specifically when, but I was just thinking like, there's so much more like orchestral stuff. Like it's much more like traditional score. Another thing uh, when it comes to the stylistic elements is the transitions in this film are very 80s. They're very stylized. The puzzle piece in the sky uh, of yeah, other like weird scene transitions that you used to get 
in like old Spielberg movies and shit. I really noticed a, a, a pretty big stylistic difference between the two films. I noticed several instances, but it didn't feel, at least it didn't feel disparate to me overall. Because mm-hmm. um, like, you know, when they're they're running around from the monster and they're cracking jokes, it just, it, it felt like, you know, and they're in like a, a weird cavern and stuff. It just felt so Goonies. I didn't get Goonies vibes like when they went to this horror house in the first movie. But when they go back to it in this film, it feels like the Goonies. When it comes to the tone, like being so light, also like the the so I mean, much yeah, stuff that, played for comedy. So it, much, so it felt much like comedy. an adventure that film. That I definitely did notice. Like, more, yeah. And yeah, I just I, I yeah I think that the first movie is is a is a horror film, is a modern horror movie, and this film is like an eighties like comedy adventure movie. I, I don't know if I would make that dramatic of a distinction myself, but that's interesting. That's a good point. Mm-hmm. I loved it. I love that for it. Like you, you feel like the kids. There's this calling back to the present day, and then in this film, you you feel like you're it's set during present well, there, day, but you're being called back. There certainly does uh, feel like there's a unity between the past and the present, mm-hmm. which I think is very crucial. And I it was one of the things I was most worried about going into this movie is that they wouldn't establish that unity. It would have just been uh, a completely incoherent mess if they didn't, I don't think. I, I would agree with that. But yeah, go go back and listen. At some point, if you, you find yourself watching them both again, I probably will. I'd like to watch the first one again, like, after seeing this I'd one. I'd definitely like to see this one again. I'd keep an eye out for that. And may, maybe maybe I'm crazy. Maybe I'm, I'm, I'm losing it. But, uh, you know, and hey, hit us up on Twitter. You know, let, let us know. Yeah. But I, I, yeah, I, I really felt stylistically this one was much more akin to a classic 80s film. So, what did y'all think about the big clown spider at the end? Great. I liked I thought it, more, it was fun. I, I, I liked it more than I initially thought I would. Because in the book, it is its true form is just a big astral spider. Yeah, and it's, it's played for horror. And right. it is, yeah, like it's got a big spider mouth and all the spooky eyes. And it's, yeah, like it's just a big astral spider. Yeah. And uh, in this one, they just turned bill skarsgård into a pennywise spider centaur yeah kind of real real big i i thought it was for the movie it worked was it, it wasn't scary but it was fun i was a little disappointed that i didn't get my I big astral spider but Same. i think it's a little scary i mean i feel like the threat is feels legitimate well, yeah, no, in it that feels sequence like a threat, yeah so sure. like yeah compared to like an actual an actual like galactic spider though you know like it's it's still like Pennywise, who at that point it's is like monologuing. Love, it's and, less Lovecraftian than I wanted, mm-hmm. but I, I'll take it. For this movie, I think it's fine. No, I agree fully. I, I liked, too, that at that moment, too, when they all sort of run off and they're sort of like thrown into their own like separate hallucinations that they have to overcome or whatever. That felt like a decent, if very simplified version of like what battling it is like in the book. Mm-hmm. And I thought it worked really well. And I thought those sequences were, were pretty effective too. It was a little bit funny, but like the one with the dog uh, and the doors. Oh, that one the, was, that one was yeah. straight, that was straight up comedy. I know. Yeah, that was comedy. Like was, they took the same conceit from the first movie with the doors, the not scary, yeah. scary, very scary yeah. doors. Uh, I thought that was, especially too, because when they come in to, when they're coming into the, the space, 
uh, its lair. Bill Hader's like, well, I hope behind the door that it's just a, a Pomeranian, you know, like <laughs> like cute and fluffy. And then when he goes off with Eddie later, they're at the doors, they open one of the doors, and it is just a Pomeranian. <laughs> that was pretty funny. The one where it's sort of like a collective one between Ben and Bev, where he's like uh, being sucked into the ground under the uh, club, and she's like in the he's afraid of dying alone. Right, and she's like in the bathroom stall, and it's like filling up with blood and then mm-hmm. they sort of have to like reach each other uh i thought him just screaming the poem at her was pretty silly oh it was yeah. it was trite it was, it, it was that's, trite I, that's a, a a good segue into something i will just say as a blanket statement that every time this movie tries to do sentimentality it falls flat on its face here's what i'll say i think it was intentional I thought about it, you and so? I do. I think I think that this film, its entire goal is to make you laugh at it. And when I say it, I mean the film as well. And I, I think I think no, that those sequences I, I, those, were played to they, that was their that was their design. They were played I, sappy as hell for you to not mock. Laughing, though. Yeah, like, I, I feel I just like they, they they did them with sincerity. Yeah. I don't think they were trying to go. Uh, for I think, I think that the characters good. were sincere. Some of them were a little bit goofier than others, and the ones where I could actually laugh at it it was okay but there were a lot of those just like really sickly sincere moments where i just did not think it worked like I mean, when before when they're gearing up for the uh the final battle and richie goes into the synagogue and he has like the flashback of like stan's bar mitzvah where he gives like that really rousing oh, speech yeah. i thought that was Awful. Yeah, that yeah. Was I thought bad. it was so bad. I, th- I, I mean, think it does of- mock itself at the end, where he does say like "fuck all y'all" and like you know, kind of runs off with the mic. But hear me out real quick. I, I, I'm agreeing with you guys that it wasn't effective. I liked him running off with the mic, but uh, the sentimental stuff, for the most part, shouting the winter fire stuff, the way the movie just ends the, uh, with yeah. sentimental stuff, the, the monologuing. There were, there were a number of times where they, they play up sentimental stuff and the, the strings come in and everything gets like a golden filter over it. And it, it feels like a, like a pharmaceutical ad. It feels it's, like a fucking Hallmark it's, movie. Yeah, it's, it's rough. I don't think it worked, but I do think it was intentional. That's weird because those are like the only times in the movie where I wasn't having fun and laughing with or at it. I just don't think I just didn't they're find executed well. I thought it was just Even like, if, this is terrible. Yeah, I don't think they're intentionally executing it. I feel like they're trying to be. At, like, yeah, I felt like they were trying I, to be. I feel like they just executed it poorly, so it it didn't ring out true or well. I agree that they're not good. I think one of the things that makes it feel a little more intentional, I would argue, is the fact that this movie is generally campier than the first one. You know, that makes that stuff feel equally campy, but I don't think they intentionally tried to make those scenes campy. And that's the thing. I I think they tried to make them sincerely touching. You know, that, that's and... the impression that I got as well, and that's why I didn't like them, because I I couldn't reconcile that tone, and I thought it was so sloppy and yeah, and and, and for and, and like schmoozy too, and like for sickly. for a movie that's more self aware than the first one. I felt like those scenes were the least self-aware. Yes. Well, see, that's that's the thing, right? Like, and one of the key reasons that those scenes felt so out of place and also did not work is because any time the horror is played up in this film, it's disarmed. 
right? Like this film, it practically like it makes an attempt to train you to disarm the fear, to make jokes at it, to right. to not take it seriously. It's a fucking mummy. It's not scary. Like it's three spooky doors. There's a Pomeranian behind it. Fuck you. And right, because that's uh, how you have to beat it is make it funny. Yeah, what that ends up doing is it puts a an almost like a cynical filter. Because this movie uh, primes you to expect a punchline, especially like by the point where so many of those sentimental moments are coming up, it's priming you to laugh at something or to mock it. That when those scenes come up and they they play them straight, you're like, wait, what am I supposed to mock here? Well, yes, yeah, like, that's, yeah, what I think am it's I supposed just too to? Totally disparate. Because I think there are scenes where like they're legitimately touching due to the narrative structure. Like for example, Richie mourning over Eddie, I thought was done. Fairly well, you know, especially in the, moment, in the cave, yeah. you know. I have some thoughts um, on that. Mm-hmm. But I think when they're really pushing that stuff, it doesn't feel like it's supposed to be in the same movie. No, I and, agree. and that's the thing, like, in a lot of the sequences, like I mentioned with the first scene, like, tonally, like, this movie jumps around a lot. And yeah. it's entertaining. Yeah. I, do, I don't mind it too much because it's entertaining. But it gives you whiplash sometimes, and it kind of undermines some of the effectiveness of some scenes, especially with well, the settlement. I, I disagree with the whiplash considering the, the opening sequence, because the opening sequence is very much in tandem with the tone of the first, the entire first film. The horror is just played for horror. It slowly disarms that throughout the course of the movie. So I, I thought it worked. Like, starting with that same kind of fear, you know, I, I went in expecting, and this film primed me with that opening scene to expect the same tone. And by gradually introducing, like, so much comic relief, I, I loved it. And I, w- I was subverted in a very good way. Yeah, I, th- yeah. I, th- I think that that scene was valid. What I was not valid about that opening scene was that they took even more agency away from Mike by having it be the one that encourages them all to come back directly. Yeah. Like, Mike decides to call everyone because it tells him to, not because he decides to. And in the book, there are multiple chapters of him sitting around trying to decide whether or not he should call them. And finally, he makes the decision himself, and he like he steps up right. to the plate. And here, it tells him to do it so he doesn't get any control over the scenario, and that's all taken from his character. I- I think you make a really good point in how it kind of transitions its tone from the tone of the first film to the second film in the first act. But I think the first act is the sloppiest in part because of that, because it it is transitioning between the two. It's kind of a jarring. Transition. Yeah, it's a jarring transition, and it's a little messy. It ends up in yeah. the right place. I agree, but I think because it's doing so much of that legwork turning the serious horror into a bit more of a jokey campy horror. No, I think I think it definitely stumbles in the first act. Like I wasn't I wasn't like fully on board with this movie until probably right after the Chinese restaurant Same. scene. Like the comedy in that, I laughed so much at the end of that and then him meeting the kid and just that kid being awesome. That's sort of the part where I'm like, yeah, I'm on board. But it's like the whole first part where like seeing each one of them individually, it felt so truncated and just like, okay, we're moving on to the next one. We're moving on to the next one. And it's like getting them all together. I'm like, this is, uh, I I don't know how this mm. is well, going to be. The thing be. is, that's like 40, 40 
45 minutes I don't into think the movie. that long. And yeah, well, you he, introduced all of the adults. Here's the thing. It, it is a pretty good way into the film. But it's 30 it's, minutes in at least, yeah. Fortunately, like, there are several sequences leading up to those moments that do hold up well. The girl with the, the firefly is one of them. Yeah. Like, there are there are a number of scenes and sequences that, that very well keep you wrapped in. Right. And also... Henry Bowers breaking out of uh, the... Or the being thing, helped out of the and also institution. literally yeah. everything with the adults and their acting in particular. There's so much to key into. The, there's so much good there. Again, I do. I fully agree. The first act, I, I had the same epiphany at the same time, being like, okay, you know what, film, I'm here for this. Yeah. And uh, it, by that moment, and I was not until then. But for someone who may, maybe hasn't seen it before or whatever, I would still say that there's there's a, there's a great deal of good stuff in that opening part. Yeah, I think it'd be better on another watch. Potentially. I'm not sure because the last one I was very high on after seeing it the first time and it depreciated with multiple viewings. So I there's part of me that's a little bit concerned that this one's going to be the same. Part of it is just the spectacle of seeing it on the big screen. I think part of the reason I loved the first one so much for the first time I saw it is because it looked great on the big screen. I want to sort of finish wrapping up talking about the climax and then get into the very ending because yeah. I, I really have some problems with the very ending but before we do that let's mention the the cameo from stephen king really oh quick. yeah good, oh, good fun. Idea. before we jump into the climax loved that i thought it was great i remember coming back from this movie you mentioned tease that it's kind of reminiscent in a lot of ways of like the stan lee cameos in marvel movies um, which i usually roll my eyes at because i'm not a big marvel person but I am a big Stephen King person. Well, and this one was fun. I, I like you know, movie. like, <laughs> it wasn't crucial to the movie at all, but it was fun. No, well, and... I mean, it's Bill. Bill's walking through town, and he sees his old bike in the window of, like, a thrift store. And so he goes in, and Stephen King is, like, the old man running the thrift store. It's perfect, because, you know, Bill is the writer character. Right. And so we get to see, like, the actor Just that Stephen King, like, Stephen wrote King's himself into, have... yeah. you know, like, interacting with the guy. And I'll books, say this, yeah. I, and, I, and I said it in the car, too, like, it is very masturbatory. You know, that same idea of, like, oh, hey, I'm the guy who wrote the books, and you're a writer in this movie. And, hey, look, all these Stephen King references, and here's Stephen King himself. And it's 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 very hokey. But it's done so way. well, yeah. and I loved it. Well, like, especially be, especially because Stephen King, like, sort of, or his character sort of mocks Bill because he recognizes him. He's like, hey, you're the writer, William Denbro, right? It's like, oh, yeah, I just finished reading one of your books. Thought the ending was terrible. <laughs> Which is, uh, okay, I'll just, I'll just skip into this because that's the segue I needed. That's a running gag in this movie is that Bill doesn't know how to finish his story. And that people that, don't like the endings people, of his stories. That people stories. love his books, He's and he's a horror writer too, but they they always hate the ending. Right, that's why I think it was and intentional. And I hated the ending of this I, movie. It's <laughs> intentional, I'm telling you. I don't I'm think telling you guys, so. the sap was, so. was metal. I no, I that's why they hammered so. in that theme. Like that was the I whole disagree. Yeah. I, I think disagree. I think it's incredibly ballsy to do that to do an intentionally bad ending. Nah, like, dude, no, nah, dude, it feels like an embarrassment to me. They're continuing to make that gag about ending things badly. And then they go on and just have a very bad ending. Well, and you I, know, like, feel the one thing I'll to say, me. too, is even if it is somewhat intentional, which I don't think it is, really, uh -uh. I'm not a big fan of when people try to intentionally make something bad. Yeah. No. Because it almost always just isn't fun or isn't good. 
You know, like, I, I think the best type of bad stuff comes when there's sincerity to it. You know, when they're yes. try- setting out to make something good. You know, yes. like, when it fails because they intended it to fail, like, cool, you made something shitty. It feels rigged. You know, yeah. like... Right. The game is rigged. And I, you and, know? and I might be wrong, but I don't feel like that's... No, I don't, I don't I feel like it was that either. So let's, let's get into that. I'll briefly address the end of the climax, which I thought was great, when they figure out that what they have to do to defeat it is that you have to make it small. And the way to do that is to take away the power of its fear and turn it into comedy. So, you know, they they basically just surround it, yelling, you're a stupid fucking clown, and various other third grade insults. Um, and yeah, like, and Pennywise is always just running like, I'm the eater of worlds! Right. Which is great, because in the book, it is. Yeah. <laughs> they, they do that until, and they start, like, ripping its spider legs off until it's just, like, this little deflated, shriveled clown balloon, which I, I you could tell was a practical effect, that there was, like, a fake... Yeah, like effect. an enhanced practical. Right, there was, like, a little, uh, a fake rock or something that Bill Skarsgård had his face in, mm-hmm. and this little deflated clown with these little tiny baby arms yeah and and like in they do it in such a way where you almost feel bad for pennywise at the very end Mm -hmm. almost there's so much horrible violence in the rest of the movie that like you remember that and you're like nah fuck this clown but like they do such a good job of making him seem like so pathetic and weak then they just like reach in like rip out his heart and just all squish it collectively which is what they do in the book they pull the spider's heart out but they do the same thing i thought that was dope Oh, that whole scene was really, really was well great. done. And then another 20 minutes. And then another, yeah. Oh, not that, 20. Uh, at least 15. Uh, uh, there was a, a 15 minute denouement yeah. for sure. I'm not saying it didn't feel like 20 minutes, oh, but it wasn't 20 minutes. It was so bad. It was so sappy. And we just see like everyone and what they're doing now. Fucking Ben and Bev are like shirtless on a yacht in fucking <laughs> Portugal or some shit. Yeah, Monte and, Carlo. Yeah. yeah, and it's all with the narration of uh, Stanley's suicide note that he uh, sent yikes. to all of them that's like... Big yikes. Like, I did this because I knew I was the weakest and that if we weren't united, we wouldn't defeat Pennywise. So I was just removing myself from the board. I don't, I don't, think, I don't think I need to say that that's not in the book, but that shit ain't in the book. Like, fucking what? What? It, I hated it. It's awful. It's, it's awful, and, and I agree. I thought it was literally the worst, and I wish they hadn't done that. Stan's character is tragic. He's a tragic. He's supposed yeah, to be a just tragic be. character. I don't even that think goes it through, makes... that goes through all of this horrible stuff as a kid, and then as an adult, when he's called to go back and put himself in danger again, that he's too weak because he's always been too weak, and he kills himself rather than go face it. That is supposed to be a tragic thing. It's supposed to be like fuck this could happen to all of us we're not united you know it's supposed to break them and for then that at the end to be like an act of heroism removing himself from well the that's the thing so i don't even feel like fuck it that. feels like it doesn't feel like it has that much narrative sense to it either no it doesn't um because they emphasize so much in the movie that if any one of them leaves, like they're all dead. Right. That they and have like to stay unified. And that's the whole thing at the end is that like the uncertainty, how are, how are we going to do this without Stan? 
we haven't seen each other in 27 years. We barely remember any of this. Like, how are we going to be united enough to defeat it? And then for it to be like, you were united because Stan wasn't there. Because well, he's a exactly. fucking pussy. Also, like, it implies that, like, Stan that. remembers the deeper meta of it when he left Derry so he wouldn't. Right. Big old plot hole there. Yeah, well, like it's, it's, uh, that that element is pretty sloppy in the first act too, because they say they don't remember it well, but like they have various elements of memory of it, and it just felt messy. Uh, the, any the, specifics the, on that one? I don't disagree. I think you're right, but I, well, I'm, I'm trying one to remember. Point, some, one of them says examples. it's back, isn't it? Right. Yeah. Well, yeah, they remember then, it, but they don't remember like the ritual, how to deal with it. Well, they don't. They and, don't like, remember the house. All, they don't remember all the specifics, but they'll say stuff like, like you said, yeah. like, like it's back, isn't it? And then they'll be at the Chinese restaurant, and be like, "What are we doing back here? I don't even remember." Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, that's that's like, it. What it felt you... super sloppy. Yeah. And the thing is, like, you make a good point in that, like, part of the reason why Stan suicide works in the chunk of the movie is because it feels like ultimately they're kind of screwed because they don't yeah. have all of right. them. Exactly. And to make it a heroic thing, it doesn't I mean, make yeah. any sense no, fucking stupid. for the rest of the movie. It makes it so much, it would be so much better. It's like, well, we were down a person. We weren't whole, but we were still able to, you know, pull together enough to be able to triumph in the end. Like that's more heroic than Stan being the hero all along for killing himself no i fucking hated that i hated all of that i thought that it's like weird like idolizing suicide too like i'm very very weird it put a really bad taste in my mouth like that just like the and the ending was bad enough with all of just like the sappy bullshit that was happening but to all like to have it all be like narrated over by that i was just like this is terrible Terrible, which is such a shame because I was having so much fun with the climax and fighting the big clown spider, you know, 20 minutes before this. Fuck, man. Yeah. <laughs> how are you going to go and do me like that? I made it very clear. Like, I'm in full support of how much this film didn't take itself seriously. But if you're going to do that, you need to pick a line. Like, either right. do or don't. I think the voiceover is really what killed oh, it. Oh, yeah, the voiceover you know, like, and, like, voice the, and again, that golden color grading. If they kept it more subtle and brief, like, I don't think it would have been as big of a problem. Like, one example of sentimentality that I didn't completely hate was, just because it's so brief, is when they look in the window and they see themselves as kids... That, yeah, like, that was okay. That, that's, a, that's a sweet bit of sentimentality that I don't mind. I think if they yeah. kept it subtle and simple and quick like that, or I don't think see, I would mind it as like much. Or even the part you know, where you see where the, they go to like the photo booth or whatever, and, they yeah. all, and then we see that one of them has a bookmark that's their, their photos. Like, that stuff is fine. It's short. It's sweet. It carries me into something. Mm-hmm. But then it's just like it gets so bogged down in and at the end. And that brings me to another point what was with the extremely shoehorned Richie being in love with Eddie thing. See, they threw, I, they threw that in out I, of nowhere. Yeah, I actually don't mind that too much, to be honest with I you. Mean, I, I like, oh, I, I like, I like the way they build up Richie with that stuff, with oh, no. uh, the if, Street Fighter stuff. If uh, it was something they were gonna do, I think they should have been, they should have been laying that groundwork from the beginning, and I, they didn't. I think they did. I think they did a great job with the Street yeah. Fighter stuff, the arcade. Yeah, I, the I'm, arcade stuff. I thought it worked well. I, I actually, and I thought I actually it, like, it, it brought context to the character development. 
development for uh, okay, yeah, me, adult I, Richie. I, 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 I like let that me say, let, me say, let me say this. Let me say this. My problem is not with the fact that... Oh, no, I wouldn't think... That, that. Richie is gay. I've, if they want to make that decision, that's fine to develop his character. Cool. But start laying that groundwork sooner. Don't let the very first instance of that, where we get any inkling that Richie is gay is at the arcade when he's playing with that kid and the kid's like, yeah, good game. Cool. And he starts to walk away and Richie's like, Oh, do you want to play again? And then Henry Bowers walks in and the kid who's playing with is like, I didn't know your town was so full of faggots. Like that's the first, that that's the first instance that it's even suggested. And that's, two-thirds of the way into the movie. And then at the very end, we see him carving his initial and somebody else's into the bridge. And then at the very end, we see Bill Hader go back to it, and we see, oh, it was an E, so he was in love with Eddie the whole time. There is nothing in the first movie that suggests that they have any sort of deeper connection than with any of the rest of them. Like, they're the comic relief characters together, kind of, but yeah, there's, like there's, they, they have a they have a relationship in the first one. Like it, they have like a they have a platonic relationship because they're children. But I not, think the not whole that has but not that has any sort of significance over the rest of the relationships that they have among the group. We never see anything that's like okay, Richie and Eddie have a, a particular bond that that others do not share, and it just feels like. If you're wanting to set up that relationship, then give it some time to grow, plant the seeds, and sort of let that blossom naturally in the story, rather than throwing it in two-thirds of the way through the second movie. I really... Just as, like, what feel, what felt to me like a cheap way to try to build sympathy for Richie's character. See, I really didn't mind it because I feel like... It was direct in that scene, but it just means the rest of it was very subtle in the art. The rest of the film, and I think the the whole the cr- whole crux of of Richie's storyline is him coming to terms with his own feelings and the fact that he's in the closet and stuff like that. Right, you but know, they don't ad- but they don't address that until so late. I have no problem with that being part of his character, but it feels like an afterthought. And I don't think that it's they, they were doing it so subtly that you don't notice it. I just think it wasn't there because when they do suggest the idea, I start thinking back to like stuff in the previous movie and stuff in earlier in this movie. And it's like, what is there? Where is that suggestion that I think I see like where you're coming from and, and what your uh, your issue with it is. It's specifically like we don't get any special moments between Richie and Eddie. Right. We don't have like, we don't we don't see them specifically of the whole collective of the Losers Club getting like any sort of moment, not to the same degree as not like like a, like a romantic moment right but just like, but like just to like establish that just having that, just the two of them in a scene. Right. That they have a special connection that there's like Naturally, in a group of friends, a couple of people yeah. will be closer like, than others. Just you know? platonic, just anything. Right, yeah, and, they and, do that, and they do that with, with Bill and Bev. I mean, granted, there is a romance thing there, but they make sure they establish that Bill and Bev have something separate from the rest of the of the friends. And it's like, I think if you're going to make that such a part of Richie's character, like to try to elicit that like touching moment at the end, you know, where he mourns Eddie and goes back to the bridge or whatever, then make me feel like they had something 
before. You know, I think, I, I think, I think that they is were the trying to do some of that with how much he was roasting him in the Chinese scene. I think that scene is just yeah. sloppy. I think you mean yeah. like and the, the first film executed, and I, I agree. Yeah. Like, and I think okay, mm, I, I have a couple of points. First off, I think that that is the solution. I think that's all it needed was just a very short sequence where we get a little bit more where, you know, there's just a platonic buildup between the two of them. Right. Literally anything. And that's it. In the first film, that's all. Because I did really like the arcade scene. Because here's the deal. Shitty, like, middle school age bullies do that. And what I liked about it is I thought I thought during that scene I was like, huh, that's a little weird. He's, he's getting his, his coin there. Like, this has, like, purpose for it. But I didn't immediately and this is largely because i'm a moron but i didn't immediately make the association that he was actually i was like oh is he that's i don't remember that being a thing well, and that, like that's and thing, i liked that because the here's thing the thing too, here, here's here's like, my part they don't do that right and here, here's the cool thing about that who is the one who reveals it pennywise and i love that because he takes it from him sure like that makes it very powerful and it, it added a lot more poignance to the lumberjack sequence too was i know your secret like, that was awesome. I wish that was in the book. The biggest shame is that it could have been it just so much more powerful and effective with Eddie and Eddie's death and the rest if like we had gotten so, that. I see. It just feels so out of line. I see field. where you're coming it from just, from a structural perspective with the two movies. I think it could have been as simple as moving the Street Fighter sequence to the first movie. That might have done it. You know? Uh, like, I, I like I like where the Street Fighter sequence is. I really just feel like you're just just getting more specifically Eddie and Richie's relationship. Yeah, I mean, I like I don't have a, I don't have a problem with the idea of the whole thing in principle. It's just I wish it had been set up better because especially because of how fucking sappy that goddamn ending is. It almost feels like the point of even making Richie in love with Eddie was so they could have that sappy moment at the on the bridge where he recarves their initial. The payoff for that felt like that that them throwing it in in the last hour of the it's movie hollow. was just their build up to that. That I feel like defeats the purpose of the whole thing. I think part of it is there just wasn't enough character development yeah, in the first one. Just, no, it's yeah, washed out. Like, this one has to catch up, and sometimes I don't think it does the best job getting far enough, yeah. uh, even with its almost three-hour runtime. I think it's partially just because there's so many characters and there's so much you have to do. And I can see where you're coming from in that respect. I didn't mind it too much at the end of the day, but uh, I can see where you're coming from yeah, for sure. I just, I, it felt insincere and and frustrating. I think that you just hate the gays and uh, you <laughs> really, should be canceled. Really is the ritual of Chud over here, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think that about covers it. We've we've gone on a really long time. About oh this yeah, a lot. There's a lot, there's a lot so to talk about. Uh, couple things i want to mention before we get into ratings stephen king mentioned i read that he specifically requested a scene added to this movie i'm trying to figure out which one it is oh he didn't say which no that's a stephen king <sighs> god damn it god yeah why can't you just say stephen i mean he i guess his own cameo even more masturbatory just yeah um, what the cameo uh since i haven't read the book i have no idea uh, what the scene I thought it could have been was the carnival scene. Does that happen in the book? 
which carnival? Where the kid gets killed no, in front well, of okay. Bill? That that oh, part does no. not know. The carnival stuff with the gay couple and all of that. At the very beginning, yeah, that is. No, I was, I was thinking the scene specifically with, Bill, with Bill. No, because that, that sets the stakes up in a way. Also, I thought that scene was just really well done. It was I dope. It was, it was dope um, and a half. The Funhouse mirror fucking, horror thing is so overplayed, but they did, they did a great really job well, yeah. with it. Yeah. They and did a Pennywise great job fucking weeble wobbling his way through the, the glass and just biting the kid's head off. That was... Just licking the glass. Yeah. yeah. No, I thought goosebumps. that scene was great. Yeah, I don't, I, I don't know what scene Stephen King would have wanted to add to this movie yeah I, it, th- I don't know if it was like that scene isn't in the book so i i don't think i don't think so yeah because like i do i do want to revisit to I, I we brought up like the ending being bad and the the film making it like a a big point that bill's endings are always really bad it could also in y'all's defense could also act as commentary on how the ending of this film is different from the book because we haven't talked about the ending of the actual book where he gets a bicycle boner. Yeah, that's true. And yeah, Bill's bicycle boner. Here, the bicycle is is brought up as fan service. He buys the bike. It's a very sentimental moment. And then we immediately cut to him doing the Hio Silver away, you know, bit on his bicycle. And, and the then like just falls, falls apart. apart. That and was it's great. So funny. And it's just a big fuck you to to like the the readers of the book I almost. Thought, I and it's that great. Was hilarious. Like very, very funny. I was not expecting that. They they caught me they caught me off guard. And that's an example of the film doing like a sentimental moment and like disarming it properly and I, if yeah, they had done something like that with the ending or the other sentimental sequences they would have been so much more effective man you know the ending of this movie was so bad i think i would have preferred the bicycle boner <laughs> i uh this this ending was terrible yeah. the other thing i wanted to mention is i saw that the mischetti's because uh, his wife produced this Oh, it's his um, wife. I never knew if it was his wife or his sister. She does. She's produced all of his movies since Mama. I saw that they have a director's cut that's even longer. I don't know if they'll put it out in theaters or not. That is like a it. new thing that everybody's doing now, right? It's what I, I, I wholeheartedly support of it. Into it, yeah. yeah. Um, but I wonder how much more they could yeah, add I don't know to this because it's to be any longer. It's already long enough. Exactly. I'd watch it. I probably would I'd, too. I, yeah, I, I, I wouldn't mind. I, run, run time isn't a problem for me. How long it is. I like long. Because this movie's already a little bloated. I like long if it's good. I agree that this movie's a little bit bloated, but I don't... There wasn't a whole lot that I felt like should have just been straight up cut. The ending, for sure, just straight up cut. As disparate as some moments were, I thought it was all entertaining enough. I wasn't bored. Like, Mm -hmm. this movie was three hours, and I wasn't bored for a second. Well, that's the thing. It's bloated. I don't think it's boring, though. No. I think there's a difference there. Yeah, for sure. There's a ton packed into this movie. But it's all all pretty entertaining. Yep, that's a good rating point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Is that everything going? Yeah, okay. Let's do it. Yeah, for me... uh, I think I do prefer it slightly to the first one. But if anything, it would just make me reduce my rating of the first one a little bit more hmm. uh, rather than give this one a higher rating. Because I, I don't think it's quite a four and a half, but it's it's going to be a four for me. Yeah, much like the first It, I was struggling between three and a half and four for very different reasons. I think this movie improves on a lot of things, especially with character development 
at the same time, I do feel like this movie is kind of tonally disparate and way bloated. Not that it's not entertaining. I think this movie is arguably more entertaining and fun than the first one. And I think the scare scenes, like, it hits higher highs than the first one. It has some legitimately scary scenes. Overall, I I would give it a four. I think it's about equal as the first one. It has its own problems. But I think it hits higher highs than the first one. So I'm going to give it a more confident four than the first one. It's very funny. Uh, TC said that watching this film makes you want to lower your rating for the previous film. Watching this film for me makes me want to raise my rating for the previous film. Where does it make you want to raise yours to? Because it kind of makes me want to lower mine to like three a three. and a half. Yeah, so I, I, I gave it a two point five. I'm not, go- I'm not going to. And now but... with the context I have from this film, like and seeing what they were trying to do, and I got more '80s, and I got '80s the way I wanted it. I really enjoyed how this film was packaged. And And again, largely because I was just expecting more of the same, like, loud, scary noise slasher stuff from the first film. Yeah, it just made me rethink the whole thing. I felt I felt like the first movie is is messy the same way that you remember your childhood. It's messy. It's all over the place. It makes no sense. No, I would I would raise it to a three. And this film is uh, so many of the problems I had with the first film left me feeling very hollow. I was just kind of bitter. But here, any anywhere they deferred from the book or they, they fucked something up or whatever else, it was always in a way that had me at least laughing at it and having a good to- a great time with it. Mm-hmm. And no, this movie made me feel things, and I really appreciate that. So, no, I'm going to give it a four. That's a unanimous four out of five for It Chapter 2. Uh, I do think it's funny that this movie sort of brought us to a middle ground on yeah. on the first one. I still think the first one's a good one, and I'm not going to go through the trouble of, like, changing our ratings, you know? No, yeah. let them sit. Uh, let like, them stay. There's no need to, to retcon stuff based on, like, rose-colored glasses from this movie. But, well, I don't uh, know if it's rose-colored glasses. I mean, like, we have the full picture now. You sure, know. but they released them as two as two separate films. You mm-hmm. know, um, uh, I just thought that's funny that uh, mm-hmm. that this film sort of unified our opinions a little bit more. It on, brought us together. It brought, it brought mine down you know? a little bit, and it brought yours up, which is right. really bizarre. Yeah, yeah it, it, I, it's, I, mine went slightly down too. I, I I feel three and a half as well at this point. But like, yeah, the context is weird like that. I, it's, I you know, be, the, the movie did uh, what it did to the kids, right? Yeah. Like our own losers club you know this film brought brought our opinions and our values together i'm definitely curious sometime in the future to do a uh, a double feature i feel like i will yeah. want to do that at hit some me point. up when you Just do watch both of them back to back and see how how it works as as a literal whole but uh i'd be okay with one of the streaming services picking both of them up and splitting them up into episodes even oh yeah you know there's enough content for it that they could pull like one of those like hateful eight type of things where they just put it into multiple chapters yeah and i i think that structure might help it i mean we were saying in the last one like for the source material really a mini series is the way to go just Mm because there's so much Speaking of fucking bloated, this episode is bloated <laughs> as hell. Jesus Christ, y'all. Yeah. Oh, um, I do want to predict something. Okay. I want to predict that a lot of people are going to be displeased with this film for many of the reasons that we were pleased by it. Yeah, I've, that's what I've been seeing just with initials. Because I've been avoiding any, even like any reviews seeing... or expectations of this film, but I want to I just, just after watching it, 
not having anything else. I want to I want to think that a lot of fans are going to be mad. I haven't read any that, critical reviews, but I've seen some people on Twitter pretty mad about it. Yeah, I um, I think that some people are going to get angry about it, and I haven't read or checked anything on that. I just just want to predict that because the the changes that they made and the way that they mock the book at times will probably piss a lot of people off. I love it. I, I think I think it's a great way to uh, differ from your source material, and it's it's dandy. But no, yeah, it's it's almost certainly going to piss a lot of people off. Speaking of predictions. Oh, uh, yeah. We did predict this movie. Um, I don't have final opening box office because, spoiler, we're recording this on its opening weekend still. It's Saturday. So I do have early uh, box office results and Rotten Tomato results. Rad. So just to recap, uh, Tease, you predicted an 88 for uh, Rotten Tomatoes. Uh, Cleve, you predicted 85 and I predicted 80. Right now on Rotten Tomatoes, it's sitting at 66. Damn. Yeah. Okay, well, there you go. That's my point exactly. Um, (laughs) Holy shit. And so for opening weekend box office, again, this is early, uh, so we'll get the final results next week. Tease, you predicted 130 million. Cleve, you predicted 170. And I predicted 82. And so this is just Thursday and Friday results, but right now it's sitting at seventy-six million for just Thursday and Friday. Oh, okay. okay. I think it'll. I think it'll probably break a hundred. Yeah, I think so too. Considering. Um, yeah, it might not now that it's getting some of those bad reviews. Uh, I don't know. Who's to say? The uh, amount of screenings is going to do it a yeah. big favor. Yeah. Oh, fingers crossed. Well, let's let's do it. I'm, yeah. I'm still rooting. I, I, think, I think it'll gonna, have think a gonna break big down, Saturday today. Sunday drop-off is questionable, but I think you guys will be much closer than I am. We'll have full results on that next week. Perf. What is our episode going to be next uh, it's week, It's your ben? choice. Oh, it's my choice. Yeah, so Rutger Howard died, like, right before, like, the day before we recorded my last choice, which was Jacob's Ladder, and I thought about changing it last minute, but I didn't, so for my choice this time, uh, we're going to be watching The Hitcher, Hell which is yeah. uh, one of my favorite Rutger Hauer performances, period, and yeah. a fucking fantastic film. I'm excited film. about talking about The Hitcher, man. So uh, yeah, we're gonna be we're gonna be paying tribute to the OG, my fellow Dutch countryman, the man Rutger Hauer. But yeah, so you can check in with us next week for that. Uh, I don't think we have time for a sponsor this week because we've nope. been going on for a really long time. Uh, so all I'll say is the usual spiel. If you like the show, leave us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts with a nice review or anywhere else that you get your podcasts. Uh, follow us on Twitter at PodPeoplePod, on letterboxd.com slash PodPeoplePod for all of the films we've talked about with our average ratings and links to the episodes. Uh, my Twitter is Mr. Van Awesome. And uh, my Twitter is at Mr. Sheets. And you can find me at LightArc Studio, tweeting relatively occasionally. Uh, you can also, of course, find us on our Discord and on Steam with It Stares Back, our excellent game. And we're still in the running, ladies and gentlemen. We we came close the other day, somehow, uh, to, yeah, enter our Discord and uh, mention mention pod people. And uh, we'll, we'll throw you a copy of the game. 
yeah, check it out. If you like if you like spooky scary stuff, we got it for you. We got all the spooky scary skeletons. Oh yeah, and they will send shivers down your spine. All right. Well, I think that'll do it. We'll see you next week, folks. 